Hello and welcome to the Wamda podcast. Hi. What do you want me to say? Hi, I'm Faris. Aren't you supposed to say I'm here with... It's a little bit like you're one of us. Nevertheless. I I have this on record that I need an intro. (laughs) Let this be known. (laughs) Hello and welcome to the Wamda podcast. Today we're going to be talking about Wamda X and I'm here with Faris Randur who's the head... I'm founder of Wamda X. Hi, Faris. Hi, thanks for having me on Wamda's podcast. <laughs> so I want to talk about how Wamda X came to be and why you decided to launch such an initiative. Sure. Um, well, I, I didn't decide to launch it. To be clear, it was a, an effort that we've been working on internally for a long time. Wamda as a organization in general, be it on the event side, the media side, or even the investment side, has always been a step ahead somewhat in the sense that we were the first to kind of build a a tech and entrepreneurship dedicated media site. Um, We were the first to sort of focus on this mentorship event, mix and mentor, and do a roadshow around the region for we were also um, some of the, you know, one of the earlier investors through Wamda Capital, but also through our predecessor fund, Mina Venture Investments, which was an angel investment vehicle in the region that started deploying in 2010. We realized that ecosystem matured a lot quicker than we expected, especially around investment. We realized that there's a, a number of VCs out there now that write checks similar to the range we write checks in. So anywhere between, I guess, 250K to three or $4 million up to five. And what we thought we needed to do to create, to continue to be a step ahead and continue to differentiate our offering is go to the market with a proposition that is somewhat end-to-end in the sense that we know that the best businesses are often founder-run and they're often founder on at least until Series C. And there's debate as to whether or not that's, that continues to be the case after. But let's, let's call it to Series C or Series B. Prior to that, it's, it's a founder-run business. And the business won't exist without a good founding team. And what makes a good founder is, you know, obviously, besides their level of maturity and their experience and their industry expertise and their ability to manage... Also, you know, this is also has also to do with their drive, their passion, and those characteristics can be found in prospective founders before they even found a business. So there, there was somewhat of an arbitrage uh, opportunity there, whereby we thought if we find, since we already f- have a hunch of what makes a good founder and hence what makes a good business to invest in, maybe we could take a step back and say if those are the same people, maybe we could start enabling them to start a business even before they, you know, even before they do and be part of a process much earlier and, and enable them to go about starting a business in a safe space somewhat. So was the focus on the founders, the reason why it ended up being a fellowship program and not uh, an accelerator or incubator program? I think so. I think what primarily differentiates Wamda X from other accelerator incubator programs is Wamda X is not a startup accelerator program. It is a founder fellowship program or prospective founder fellowship program, meaning you don't come to us when you already have a business. You could come to us when you already have a business and we'd definitely be open to investing. But the WomdaX program in particular is primarily interested in individuals or teams 
that are interested in starting their own business but don't have the means either financially or otherwise to do so and don't necessarily, you know, and just kind of want the support environment that will allow them to to start a business. So in a way, it's a safe space for prospective individuals and teams to come in, build their ideas, build their value proposition, polish up their ideas, figure out if this is in fact what they want to do. Um, and, you know, without necessarily having to worry about going about establishing a business or raising equity or signing convertible notes or coming up with a super polished pitch deck or, or what have you. So it's, it's really a lot more, you know, the, way, the process of even onboarding or even uh, going about screening prospective uh, fellows is much more akin to, let's say, a college application of sorts rather than a startup incubator application. And there's a lot less emphasis on the business and a lot more emphasis on the opportunity and the founder. And how many people applied? How many people were screened? We got, a, uh, we got 600 applications online, of which um, the, the, the ones that made it through short, the first shortlist of, uh, you know, through the first batch was about 68. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, maybe it might have been 78. I forget. It was one or the other. It was a large number. Um, so say about 10% made it through to uh, the first round of screening. Second round of screening was an in-person full-day exercise that had 27 people. So now we're at about 5% or less than 5% of the original applicants, of whom we accepted seven. And now you're closer to you know 1% of applicants. Of the seven, two had dropped out prior to the start of the program. And of the seven teams, uh, of the five teams that started out with the program, the ones that made it through all the way to the end are two teams. So three didn't make it through the, in- the entire duration of the program. Why? Well, for different reasons. Some of them um, just didn't want to start a business. They, they figured it's too much, too much hassle for them. The expectations between us and them weren't aligned. They wanted to approach it a lot slower as a side project while they maintain their their full-time job, which is totally normal. Uh, but that's just not something we necessarily kind of want to push for within Monda X. Some of the others just couldn't handle the, the stress. Um, and some, uh, frankly, just we didn't really see eye to eye with and, and just kind of parted ways uh, some various reasons really the funnel the funnel narrows much quicker than we had expected it to narrow so we had expected most people to continue all the way through the four-month program uh, at least 70 percent of them it's actually the opposite i think um, the earlier on in the startup stage the more exponential the dropout rate is uh, but that's fine. We wanted we wanted to build Wanda X to normalize that process. We want people to feel like and the fellows to feel like being part of Wanda X doesn't necessarily mean we expect you to start a business. Uh, we expect you to work on your business. We expect you to put in 110 percent while you're at the program. But if you cannot come to f- you know align your you know your stars or what have you to that that'll eventually you know drive you to start your business or for one reason or another um, that's totally fine as well that's we we want Wumda X to be a safe space for people to try out their ideas and not feel like they're obliged to pursue their ideas if they didn't work out 
Do you think that there's a, a lack of understanding or perhaps an ignorance with regards to entrepreneurship and how difficult it is to set up your own business? Do you think it's overly gram um, glamorized these days? I think it's very difficult for me to comment on that because it, it's very difficult for us to put ourselves in the shoes of a founder. Uh, but to the extent that we've come across them, I think there is a, a slight naivety, um, but I think it's a beneficial naivety. I think if everyone who wanted to start a business knew how difficult it was, no one would start a business. And this is something we constantly hear time and time again from founders of all different stages. Really, you know, some of the businesses that we've exited very successfully Founders said, you know, had I known from day one this is what it, the toll it was going to take and this is how difficult it was going to be, I probably wouldn't have started a business. And likewise, some of the people that come through the Womda X program one or two months in just, you know, come and say, okay, oh, this is not for me. It's, it's too much stress. It's a very lonely process. So as much as we try and, and help out and kind of cushion that, uh, the process at the startup stage at Womda X, it's very lonely. Even if you have a team, it's a very lonely process. This is you and it's your ability to execute and um, no one's going to be there holding your hand uh, when you need the most, unfortunately, even if they intend to. The reality of the matter is it's, it's a very lonely process. It's, there's a lot of bottlenecks. There's a lot of uh, uh, you know, unforeseen uh, side, side effects that, that, result, um, that come out as a result of the process. So it's... it's it's glamorized because it kind of has to be, because if it's not glamorized, then you'll have a much smaller funnel of people wanting to start their business, which is necessarily a bad thing. That's different discussion, but I think it has to be glamorized uh, and, and people have to kind of um, be a bit oblivious to how difficult the process is in order to get people to start their business. So if you could sum up in just a few sentences what you think an ideal founder is or the qualities that founders need, what are they? It, it's very difficult to do that. And let me tell you why. Um, if there's one thing that X proved to us, it's that there is a numbers game to this. It's almost impossible to determine which business and which founder is going to be successful this early on. But if you wanted to take a peek and look at all the successful, and I put that between quotations, successful, because sometimes that means a higher valued business, sometimes it means a business that actually solved an underlying problem. We can also discuss that on and on about what it means to build a successful business, but if you look at what is commonly agreed upon to, as a successful business, if you look at the founders of those businesses, uh, there's always a hunger and tenacity um, there's always a, a, a knack for problem solving. That's absolutely critical. They know how to take in a problem, not let them over, not, not let that overwhelm them, break it down into the steps that it needs to be broken down into, and go about it as they would any other problem, and they do so effectively. Delegation is also a very important quality, so their ability to build and surround themselves with a team of experts or let's say uh, specialists who can kind of distribute their workload and most importantly just a desire to want to solve the problem and have a uh, um, a long enough term view to want to solve that problem regardless of hiccups along the road so 
focus basically you know being able to focus on the one true objective and pursuing that no matter what and breaking down this the you know the problem into small steps to getting there um i think those are probably the the characteristics um in terms of what they actually look like they're you know in order to have a lot of those characteristics more often than not you're probably someone who's in their 30s or 40s maybe even 50s you're not younger than that you've had significant workplace experience and workplace discipline and management uh, so you've managed people before and so a lot of you know a, a lot of our advice is don't think about starting a business if you haven't gone out and gotten a job for at least five or ten years and and there's a many exceptions to that but for the most part it holds true you need to be disciplined in the real world before you can go out and say okay i'm ready to start my own business would it be fair to say that since we only ended up with two companies that the failure rate is probably higher in this region than other places in the world well first of all let me just make it clear that the people who didn't make it through the pro- program haven't necessarily failed they just want to go about starting their business at a different pace some of them want to do it as a side project so there is i hate the word failure not because i don't want to normalize it in the sense that the west likes to normalize it i i don't think of anyone who doesn't want to start their business as a failure it's absolutely unfair to say that someone going into a program to figure out whether or not they want to start a, a business coming to the conclusion that they don't want to start a business i don't see how that could be considered failure um so to, right off the bat they're not failures uh and and at no point can you consider a business to be a failure you know unless um you know the objective they set out to achieve hasn't been met but for the most part i don't think the region has a higher quote unquote failure rate um if anything it's probably a lower failure rate because it's so nascent and there's so much more opportunity whereas some more mature markets like you know southeast asia china or the west are a lot more competitive so failing again between quotation marks can happen a lot quicker and is a lot more frequent in the west So we had the investor day very recently. How did that go? It went very well. I think um it's you know it's just it's honestly day one. Uh it's day one for you know for the founders and their relationship with Wanda as well. It's not it's not that the prog- it's not that we look at the program as uh, an isolated experience. It's just the start of the relationship between Wanda and the fellows and their businesses. the investors and the angel investors were very receptive we've had a lot of interest of you know in in following up and wanting to invest in the in the businesses from the angels so hopefully that'll materialize and most of them most if the two companies have secured most of their rounds already so even prior to going into the event they're they're pretty much good to go and hit the ground running and any word on when the second cohort might begin it's still being uh, debated and discussed internally uh, we have no timeline or eta at the moment okay well thank you very much for your time fadi thank you hi said thanks for coming on to the podcast thanks riska thanks for having me so you are one of the successful ones out of the first uh, wonder x <laughs> cohort you managed to make it to the end why did you apply i i thought it was an interesting concept um i had never heard of vcs reaching out to startups 
uh, to co-build a business with them. Mostly VCs wait for the startup to be completely established, have some traction. But uh, at this point, I, I thought it was a really cool idea. And uh, to be honest, we, could, we needed that level of help as well uh, to take it to the next level. Uh, Caravan was at a decent stage. We were growing, but we didn't have too much of an idea what to do next. So, okay. so tell me a little bit about Caravan. What is it? When did you found it? Sure. So Caravan is actually a value-added aggregator of privately operated buses. Okay, what does uh, that actually mean? Like the sim- <laughs> in simple terms. Uh, so essentially, there are a lot of private buses, privately operated buses within UAE. Uh, these guys are people who have one or two buses and they're providing transportation services. Um, it's very informal, uh, uh, completely undigitized, completely off the grid. Uh, these guys are struggling with operations and marketing. And on the other side, we notice that people are trying to find these private bus operators so that they can use their buses for the work commute. So we thought, hey, man, let's just add all of these guys, the bus operators on one platform so we can make it easy for the passengers to search and find the right bus. Uh, the value added part of it is that we don't want to be just an aggregator. So we want to uh, bring in additional value for the bus operators that will make it easier for the passengers uh, to use the buses and to have a better experience. Okay, so I wasn't aware of these private buses mm. in Dubai. I mean, you, you see, the, it, the, it's the construction workers, really, that you see in the buses. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. You've got the Road and Transport Authority mm-hmm. buses as well. Yeah. But there's another. Yes, there's another segment. Uh, so these are the white coaster buses, the small mi- uh, the minivans that you might see. They're, they're, they're quite uh, ubiquitous. They're all over the place. But at the same time, because you see it so many times, this kind of uh, zone out and it doesn't register anymore. Mm-hmm. But you'll see them when you notice them is that they'll have a sticker at the back, which will say, uh, which will have the number as well as the location that they're providing the service from. That's the extent of their marketing. Um, even we were surprised to learn that this is uh, quite a big segment. Uh, there are quite a few people who are using these private bus operators for the work commute. And is it very informal? Is it employees that want to get from their homes to their office? Yeah, that's how it works. So uh, the base is that these bus operators first should be legalized. They should have uh, the permit from RTA to offer the service. Um, Some of them do, some of them don't. So there's a big gray market also developing, which we uh, we are trying to address and only work with legal bus operators. Uh, But yeah, so uh, people are looking for work commute only uh, so we, they don't even these operators they don't provide on-demand services or none of that kind no so event based it's a scheduled time you it's a scheduled time yeah exactly All exactly right. uh, and when did you launch the business um we've been actually caravan's been around uh for a year now uh but we we what, what we did was we thought that we would first build out a fleet management software and uh, we wanted to work with universities and schools to digitize their operations uh, we saw there was a gap in that area, but it was a B2B area. It was too slow moving for us and we decided this was not this is not working for us. So we pivoted into the B2C model where we are currently in the aggregation model. And that's been around for roughly uh, six to eight months. I think eight months by now. Okay. So before Wamda X. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about the experience that you've had here with the mentors. What kind of mentors were you... Um speaking with Mm -hmm. and uh, how has your business developed since you started the program? So mentors have been amazing, uh, which was one of the attractive parts of this program because Wamda had put up the list of mentors while they launched the program. So it was very interesting to see the range of people who were were willing to come on board to guide the startups. Uh, I was really excited to work with uh, a few of them, you know, I had heard about them 
and uh, so once we got into the program you know i we we ever um, we got the chance to meet with each and every every one of the mentors we got the chance to talk about a business and get their feedback and guidance at uh, at that early juncture so it was very important for us and we learned a lot from them uh, these guys have been running startups for for many years successful startups that have raised a lot so Can it was many uh yalla compare uh luxury closet mums world uh nabbesh so it was very it was very impressive to hear about their experience and then to get feedback and one of the really uh, i think the highlights of the program for me personally was when i talked to them about my startup they they did they did see a few gaps here and there but more often than not they agreed that this was a a need in the market and that this was an opportunity that can be capitalized upon so it was a kind of uh, it was very reassuring for me it's a validation it's a validation it's a validation to hear from people who have already done stuff because previously you know you hear from friends and family and everyone thinks it's great but it's only when you hear from people who've done you know who've achieved something in the startup and entrepreneur world that it feels much better So what were your challenges when you first started um and ha- have they changed? Uh yeah so definitely the challenges that have changed uh so before as a solo founder I was doing everything making sure that the business is surviving and you know it's growing but at the same time there were a lot of things that I had to make sure uh were being done properly. Uh after the program you know we, we got an insight into how the VC world works. so we understand okay what are they looking for what what kind of startups do they invest in and how they look at growth and start, and startups had you raised investment before no not not before okay. this not before this so what we what we learned was that this organic growth is nice but you really need to think more deeply about how you're growing your startup which means to have a structured approach at all different aspects and a big part of that is team so during the program i realized that uh, i'll definitely need to raise money and that I'll need to build out a solid team to take this forward. I previously I was thinking I could grow organically and hired members as and when we could afford to, but that completely changed. So the challenges shifted from running to then hiring and managing. And it was a completely different um experience for me, but it was uh, it was challenging, quite challenging because talent definitely is hard to come by. What were you doing before this? Before this I was in software sales. I was at Infovort. um and i was there for roughly two and a half years um i was in sales what was the trigger to leave that job and start your own business um so i've always been interested in mobility throughout um when it, when i was that when i was doing software sales i just realized that this is not my area of interest and you know i felt that i wasn't doing very well at it either and it was kind of bothering me that uh, there's no point being uh, in a role where you cannot contribute very well to and uh, you know uh, so i thought let's take it forward and let's do something that i'm really passionate about and mobility was always something that interested me me from from university days so and i've always been thinking about what are these buses you know the, who are these people what are they doing what are the challenges that they're facing so i went around talking to them starting conversations whenever i saw them parked at the side of the road i just reached out to them and tried to understand what's going on and i realized that there's a big gap here that's when i decided you know let's let's take this forward um and it was it was tough because i didn't know how to proceed so I, what i did was i started reading a lot of blogs watching a lot of videos understanding mvp the you know the product market fit the language and from there onward we started building it slowly and slowly and we had a lot of help as well because uh, we went through the shara program as uh, which is in in sharja so we we got some guidance from from the idea stage from the the pre seed stage and then that's how we could take it to the level where we, 
we were um, interesting enough. So you're one of the two companies that made it to the very end. Why do you think that was? I think it was just because we were more dedicated to the problem. Um, I think uh, we we had some experience. So the other uh, other teams hadn't launched yet. So I, I had already launched. So I was I was unique in that in that front. I think I was the only one who had a, a startup running before the program. So I was already committed to the idea, and my pro- challenges were then growing and establishing and building structure into it. Whereas the others were still flirting around with the idea of a startup and if they want to have a startup, what will the startup be about? So I think it was something that they were trying, all the other teams were exploring and they never couldn't, they, they, they really couldn't figure out what it is that they want to do in the time frame. So therefore they couldn't keep up with the, with the requirements and the demands and then uh, they dropped out. So I think it was just that knowledge and experience of running a startup that helped us move along till the end. Were there any moments where you thought, this is too much, I can't handle it? Yeah, it's a, that's a daily thing. <laughs> but uh, no, no, I mean, uh, the challenges are always there. It's every day is, is different and challenging. But at the same time, it's very addictive. So that's a, this is, I think that's the reason why people stick around with startups. It's just, it's fun. It's a lot of fun because you see the, the impact of your work immediately. Um, and you can see it growing in front of you. So it, it's, it's very interesting and it's a lot of fun. Otherwise, I, I don't think anyone would do such a thing. It's very tough as well. All right. I, I think that's a good note to leave it on. Thank you so much for your time. Sam. Thank you, Jessica. Thank you. And good luck. Thanks.